Hello and welcome to the Lost Art Podcast. I'm here with Gar. That's me. And I'm Paul. Just on the other way around. Doesn't really matter. Doesn't really matter. Oh, God. We're in bits. What if we fucked it up? <laughs> Are you in as much uh, terrible nightmare realm late, as me? I'm a late stage hangover where you think you're, you get up in your ground and at 6 o'clock it goes, oh, I meant to give you that uh, hangover. Mm. Maybe that, does that mean, because I was pretty much the same. I woke up feeling weird, but uh, it's only around 6, 7 o'clock that I proper kicked in. Does that yeah. mean we were still a little bit drunk? Probably, yeah. That's why, that's why you shouldn't drive in the mornings when you have a few drinks. I don't have a car anymore. Mm, win. I don't like drinking. I get driven. I get driven. Today's one is about uh, genre specific and year spe- and decade specific. Yeah. We're doing eighties hip hop. Mm. Wouldn't be my favorite, but Gar loves this, so I'm going to do it with him. I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> my favorite, like eighties hip hop, it's not necessarily hit and miss. It's just it's not my favorite. I'm more of a nineties guy. You see, the problem is, I think the era went from mid eighties to mid nineties. Yes, that's the golden yeah. era. Yeah, so it's hard to. We're like we're kind of cutting it off, boy. Yeah, if we had done like, if we had done eighty five, eighty five, is weird. But you're cherry picking them. But then you're also putting loads of gangster rap in, which is so big. Exactly. Like, this is very much. This not, will, it does make sense to do it this way. Yeah, let's just do it this way. Yeah, we have to. Right. Know. You want my you want my first one? <laughs> Give me your first one. Okay, so it's EPMD and the song is I'm Helsing, and uh, I I remember EPMD. It's a song off the same album. Um, the album. What is the album called? It's called uh, Strictly Business. And they had a song called You Gots to Chill. That sounds so 80s hip hop. Oh, stop it. Every- was it licensed? This, this is the, to- thing about, the thing about 80s hip hop is that everything's spelled weird. Yeah. It's spelled the way you say it. There's no, there's no like technical English involved whatsoever. And um, all of the kind of cool street words aged very badly. Mm. So did it in the 90s, to be fair, as well. To be fair, so did loads of these songs. They did not age <laughs> yeah, well. No, they didn't. Um, this is very much... It's like if you're into comic books and you only read like 1960s Captain America, you, you know exactly what you're going to get to a degree. It's but very it's the original, man. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying it's bad. Like, I love a load of 80s stuff. But I think a lot of the artists that started in the 80s only really found their feet in the 90s. Absolutely. So, uh, this song, uh, these lads, two guys, the EPMD comes from... Uh, there's two lads, Eric and Parrish making dollars. That's where EPMD oh came from. Exactly, yeah. There's Eric Sermon and uh, Parrish Smith. And uh, this album is old as fuck. This album, Jesus, what, 33 years old or something what like that? What year is it? 1988. Nearly all my songs are 88. Mm-hmm. See, once you go, beyond, you go before 1988, you're into a whole different land of, like, wackery. <laughs> you know well, I mean? that's, that's what I'm saying. That's the year of... I'm so and so, and I'm here to say yeah. I'm crossing the street. You better get out of my way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're very much you're still into uh, Grandmaster Flash and the, the Furious Five and Melly Mel, and you've got that early, early days, that kind of disco remnant stuff. Um, like the birth of hip hop isn't necessarily, but the birth of it, it's in, super like, important. And I'm sure it was deadly yeah. if you were there, but when you, when you listen back to it, like no, but no, like think of a sound person. You know, do you ever think of say, oh, there was sound as a baby? <laughs> it doesn't work like that. Um, <laughs> it's yeah. okay to say that, like it's not, it's grand, it's important. But this is more, this is a little bit after the birth now. Yes, is, yeah. The, 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 I think a lot of these uh, groups and rappers are starting to find their feet. Also, stuff like samplers and sequencers and uh, drum machines were a little bit more prevalent as well. More affordable. So, yeah, exactly. So you're starting to get into by the late eighties. You're starting to get a lot of these artists who are 
making their own beats from scratch. Yeah. Um, as opposed to just using samples, just using samples yeah. and, and cutting records. Um, so this was the uh, this song I'm housing. Is the it was the third and final single after album Strictly Business. It was covered by Rage Against the Machine on Renegades. Was it? Yeah. I don't listen to that album a lot. I, oh, like, like that I, album. I do like it's it, but fun. I don't. I can never remember what's on it. Pistol grip pump pump uh, on my lap at all times. Yeah. And also, uh, I've actually have another. Man. There is another song um, on this list that was covered by Rage Against the Machine on the same album as well. We'll get to that later. The sample is a uh, Rocksteady by Aretha Franklin. Oh, right. There's a EPMD broke up a couple of times, and I, I read a very funny story about when they broke up the first time. So remember, the two guys is uh, Eric. Eric Sermon and Parrish Smith are the two guys. So apparently, in nineteen ninety three, in nineteen ninety three, Parrish Smith's house is broken into. Right, steal all this stuff. They just strip the gaff bear. Right, he comes home finds his gaff empty. He's like, "What in the name of fuck?" Calls the cops. Cops come out. Deal recce, whatever. A couple of days later, they end up catching the guy. Right, trying to sell out the stuff that was in his house. And uh, to bring him in for questioning, they're asking, you know, what, you know, whatever normal copper questions. Why did you do uh, fucking? Where's the rest of the stuff? Blah blah blah. And it turns out that this guy and the group of lads who who broke into uh, broke into Paris Smith's house were paid to do it by uh, Eric Sermon, the other guy in EPMD. Jesus. <laughs> That's a bit like the Libertines. Didn't they have the Libertines? One of them robbed from the other one. Apparently, the, the two lads were just... I don't know. I, 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 I'm not going to jump make any assumptions, but they owed, they owed a lot of money out, and uh, they were fighting over royalties and stuff like that, and they couldn't... Even though they were, so Eric they were and together, Parrish weren't making dollars anymore. They, yeah, exactly. They were not making dollars. <laughs> they were stealing dollars off each other. They got back together again two or three times, um, but they, they had a bunch of... Splits and reunions and splits and reunions. I think they got together again two or three years ago to do some... Uh, I think they played some weird Lawyers for Music Festival or something like that. It's all to do with uh, legal rights of artists or something like that. And they're trying to get fund together for lawyers that would help bands and rappers. I'm not entirely sure. I hope your man had a lawyer when he tried to steal. Yeah, exactly. Well, apparently they got over that. But <laughs> um, They never really proved that it was um, Eric Sermon. They couldn't prove it. Um, but apparently that led to like long time animosity where they just decided like, we can't do this anymore and yeah. fucking knocked it on the head and then a couple of years later I got back together again that's my fourth one I think the song itself I like the song it's very you're going to hear me say it's very 80s a lot with a lot of these yeah. songs it's very 80s however I didn't want to pick You Got to Chill um, because You Got to Chill had more of a you start to hear a lot of house influences, house music influences in, in hip hop around this time. Yeah. And uh, it's easy to just, you could do it on a Twitter podcast. Chicago. Where, where are these guys from? New York. New York, right. Brentwood, New York. Um, but you start to hear a lot of uh, a lot of house music influence on a lot of hip hop in 88 and 89. Yeah. And uh, I didn't want to use one that has a lot of house influence. I wanted a straight up 80s hip hop song at the beginning that yeah, was my yeah. first one and uh, I do enjoy the song I do listen to it I, I'll be honest with you I, I, in the last couple of years I've probably listened to the Rage Against the Machine version more because it pops up on playlists um, yeah. more often than the original EPMD I, even though I do I do own this I own. I actually own all the EPMD stuff at home for some reason but Genie Mac I don't really know Genie Mackers Genie Mackers they're just one of those bands that yeah. uh, were important for 20 minutes and they got a legend about them while they were broken up. And then when they got back together again, it didn't equal the hype. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? If you get me, um, people like, wanted it more than. Like I said, the first album, the first album is called Strictly Strictly Business. I think every other album is called like Return to Business. You know, taking care of business. Yeah. We're all trying to chase Eric, that. Eric glory. goes to business school. Exactly, but they're all chasing the glory of the first album, which yeah. was fairly important. <laughs> What's your your one? Public Enemy, Bring the Noise, nineteen eighty-eight. So many eighty-eights in this. It's, it's, it's insane. I'd say eighty-eight of mine are. Uh, 88% of my 100% are uh, from 1988. Uh, what can you say about Bring the Noise? Bring the Noise. Right. Most people are going to know uh, the Antrax version. Yeah, Chuck D and Antrax. Yeah. Or no, no, it's just two Public Enemy and Antrax. Yeah. Or is it? Yeah. It's a um, Public Enemy song. Yeah. And they've done a version of it with Antrax. Because he, he had a lot of time for Scott Ian when he saw him playing all his gigs in Public Enemy t shirts. Yes. Instead of kind of going. Get that fucking t-shirt off you. Stop using, stop using street cred, you stupid bastard. Yeah. He went, no, fuck it, that's cool. Yeah. Let's do something. I remember uh, reading the, the history of Public Enemy is very interesting, actually. It's basically the, uh, started off as a radio show, a show on the radio. Yeah. Chuck D went straight from college to hosting a radio show, um, showcasing hip-hop. And I think he used to get bored and he started like, rapping over instrumental bits in the studio and somebody heard him and offered him a, a contract yeah. and he kind of put this group together. His flow is disgracefully good. Uh, unreal. However, he's credited with uh, inventing that shitty fucking uh, trap style. That fucking... Yeah. 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 Did we just wrap on this podcast? I think you did. Well, I think that was bound to happen, but I'm glad we did it like five minutes in. Yeah, me too. I'm too hungover to do it well. That's my excuse. <laughs> Are you a good rapper? I'm fucked. What? I've made a rap album. I told you this. Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah, it does exist. It does exist. Um, this was also on the Less Than Zero soundtrack. Remember when Money had, um, when we were doing the covers one, the Hazy Shade of Winter was yeah. written for that. Uh, well, covered for that. It wasn't written for that. It was written by someone. But this was uh, written for this uh, soundtrack as well, as far as I know. Then it, then it appeared on um, It Takes a Nation of Millions. It Takes a Nation of Millions. Uh, I, I, knew, I knew before that a little bit from the odd bits and bobs, movies or whatever like that, TV shows, but it was when Tony Hawk's came out. It, like, got, oh, a big, shit. it got a big boost off Tony Hawk's. Big it, big that's, where, that's when people learn the lyrics because you have to listen to it 10 times an hour. Skating around that fucking schoolyard. Jesus Schoolyard. Christ. Schoolyard. Yeah, I all our up and right. the pizza <laughs> <are> so <laughs> dope. Um, yeah, everybody at this stage, if you are our age or play a lot of Tony Hawks, uh, everybody knows the lyrics to that song. Yeah. Not just the bit that me and you just only remember right now. I'm butchered. Butchered to show <laughs> Um Yeah, that, listen, Public Enemy are quite possibly the most important hip-hop group culturally. Um to that scene I think ever I think there are groups that had more hits and but they weren't singing about themselves no how great they were incredibly I mean well, it's the wrong but word but societally yeah. aimed it was actually the f- some of the first stuff. angry hip hop incredibly angry yeah. like his voice and like, you used to get the kind of poppy ones where they let flavour do his bit. They have to. You know, they get 911 as a joke. They let him loose. Yeah. They're the fun. Yeah. They're the fun uh, public enemy songs. And it's a mad mix. Up there. But there's lads marching around with fucking AK-47s on the stage. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, it's it's never going to be high-fiving people. Yeah. You know, not, there's no beach balls getting thrown around with a public enemy gig, you know? I don't suppose people are even dancing. They should be standing there saluting. Like, it's... <laughs> they're incredibly important. I love them to bits. 
Um, I've been I've been listening to them since I was very young, and uh, for some reason, even though I've been listening to them for a bajillion years, I still don't know an awful lot about the band. I find that disgraceful. That's something well, didn't that they, they weren't really mad into interviews and all that cracking. It's really hard to know more stuff about them in the I studio and on tour. I don't it. even know how many kind of television appearances public going to be doing. I'm sure they would have taken every opportunity to get the message out. Maybe. I wasn't really watching hip-hop TV in the 80s. Hoppity. What's your next one? My next one is a big one, and it's uh, Rob Bass and DJ Easy Rock. It takes two. Did it take two of them, yeah? It did take two of them. Um, it took two of them to make one album, and then fuck off. <laughs> really? Um, yeah. To be fair, to be fair to that song, that's probably one of the biggest hip-hop songs of all time. It's universally recognised. You could go to fucking, you could go to a rack and play that in the desert, and people start dancing. Like it's just, it's one of them songs. Uh, DJ Easy Rock died in 2014 of a diabetic seizure, but they only done one. Album oh, don't together. be doing that. I know. Yeah, they literally done this one album. The album's actually called "It Takes Two as well. Of course, it is in continuing with the trends that we talked about on yeah. previous podcasts. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the samples from Lynn Collins think about it and uh, this would have been probably their biggest crossover track with uh, starting to introduce uh, stuff like uh, Acid House and House Music into hip hop um, it's considered the greatest hip hop single of all time really by many many music uh, documentarians and, and, and journalists it's, it's huge it's monstrous um, it's also one of those like I said you could play that anywhere Everybody knows it. It's a welcome injection on kind of any any set anywhere. But uh, they done one album and they broke up because there was something to do with there was something to do with a sample somewhere um, that was used that was a bit dodgy. And Rob Bass had to he had to leave the group, and he's the only one. He went on. He released a couple of albums himself. He done like Rob Bass, and he had one kind of halfway hit. And um, with the second or third album, that w- w- wouldn't have been super at all. Nothing compared to It Takes Two, which is just fucking monumentally huge. Uh, but he released two albums after it. And he, he guessed it then on a couple of tracks. Yeah, he guessed it on a couple of tracks. Uh, Easy Rock done a few bits and pieces. I think he done some production. And um, he would have get, done some guest DJ spots for people as well. But as as a pair, as DJ Easy Rock and Rob Bass, like, one album, one and done, they made their mark and fucked off. Mm. Um, it's it's an interesting story about like how huge they were when that song came out and huge for kind of years to come and played all over the world off the back of that one single selling their album in the hopes that people are buying it thinking this album's going to be jam-packed full of those bangers and was it? not really there's one other song that was alright but that's all you need, though. Just a second single to go. Yeah. Okay, they have... Of course, okay. the album. Yeah. yeah. But the fucking album's called It Takes Two. Like, what do you want? Do you it know Takes know? Two singles. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, once they went their own ways, Rob Bass fucked off. Um, he done some... I think he done some guest spots. He done some guest spots with, like, and Corrupt and maybe... Uh, Na- he was on a Nas track or two as well. And a few bits and pieces. But again, hmm. a lot of these guys just kind of fade into obscurity or... or uh, buy some outboard and mix and desk and start recording local guys to try and you know get up some producer credentials to kind of push themselves in that so, regard so they don't have to go on tour yeah exactly <laughs> once you get you get to a certain age and you, you do not want to go anywhere do yeah. anything ever again right what's your next one it is Big Daddy Kane eight and a half stepping I'm not even going to pretend I know loads about Big Daddy Kane before I this, but I remember watching that documentary I'd heard a couple of songs years ago, around mm. the 90s, wasn't it? This is 88, by the way, yeah. believe it or not. Believe it or not. 
Um, then that documentary came out, uh, Evolution of Hip Hop, it was like he had such a huge segment on Annie. Just, I just really didn't realize how. Yeah. It was incredibly important. I knew he was important, but I didn't know he was actually really good. Yeah, super. <laughs> I actually listened to it and I was like, oh ain't, shit. Ain't No Half Stepping has to be one of the greatest straight up, no bells and whistles hip hop song ever. It's just, yeah. it's got, it just goes constantly. I don't think the music even changes. It's the same beat. I think it's long as well. It's like five, six minutes long, yeah. isn't it? It just goes and goes and goes. But he's fucking immaculate. Immaculate. Impeccable. Just ridiculous. Yeah, I think it, there's, there's loads of ways you can influence people. but And it's kind of sometimes looked down upon his, it was his like uh, he didn't really look like he was trying very hard no so that's how you get swagger you just don't big, look like you're trying very hard just a big lad with a fu- furry hat yeah pretty much but yeah. people were just like fuck man that, mm. he's, he's unreal like. and he, he was unreal like. and he's one of the guys that floated around for a million years before he was discovered um, that's because he looks a bit he looks like on his first album he looks a bit older, a bit older yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. he was doing the rounds um, maybe that's why he's so cool he just gave up he was like, well I think he would have been like one of the uh, where is he even from I can't remember whatever uh, city he's from um, I don't know he would have been one of the <laughs> yeah, he would have been one of the guys that was floating around for years um, uh, kind of hosting battles and, and doing gigs before he uh, anything really happened for him but once he did I think because he had a name behind him he had the, the the instant push of the entire city behind them, which was enough really yeah, back yeah. in the day. You could if you could you could go platinum in one city, you know, if you were a big enough name in the town, that's it. It's all over. Yeah, I think his name comes from Kane from uh, the David Carradine thing. What is it? Well, the Grasshopper, Kung oh, Fu. Yeah, yeah, Kung, yeah Fu. Kung Fu, Kung Fu. Yeah, Kane. Uh, was spelled different. Grasshopper. Yeah, he's a K, isn't he? Yeah. It's not Kane and Abel. He's a Kane, Kane the wrestler. Yeah, yeah. The big he looks better as the well. The big red machine. Just looks better. <laughs> Although <laughs> looks boy, looks better than the biblical one. Kane wrestler. could look cocaine as well. Yeah, true. Be true. Pro- I don't know. If big Daddy Kane <laughs> did cocaine, but it suits it. <laughs> he is one of the most influential rappers of all big time. And like I said, I remember when I was young, growing up, and I did listen to a bit of hip hop. His name put me off. I was like, nah, I'm stupid. Big Daddy. Yeah, big Daddy and that's two wrestling. Yeah, he's got two wrestlers in his he name. Does, yeah. He's got Big Daddy and he's got Kane. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Oh god! Giant Haystacks Undertaker is his, uh, his, uh, it's mortal enemy. But he had to, uh, he, he had to get into the ring by doing a full flip because because oh, we, yeah. we put one leg in, it ain't now half step in. Oh, oh, oh! oh sorry, I feel too bad for that. Oh, I know I can't. I feel like shit. Who said that? To me, I said that. That came out your mouth. Oh, fuck off, really? That actually happened in your head. I just, I was, and came out. I was, I thought it was someone else, and I was ready to came lay out. into them. <laughs> just give him back a hand. Give him a choke right. slam. <laughs> right, big daddy can. Who's your next one? <laughs> uh, my next one is uh, Slick Rick. The song is Children's Story. I like this song. It's killer. It's yeah. killer. Um, apparently, it's one of the most sampled hip hop songs to make more hip hop songs ever. Um, so he's actually English. Slick Rick was born in London. And his family moved to uh, the Bronx, or Bro- I think it was the Bronx, um, when he was very young. And this leads, what's real funny about it, this leads to this ongoing battle for the rest of his entire life. So this, again, this is another 1988 song, right? This is all, <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Um, Eric B. and Rakim was uh, 1980, sorry, no, not Eric B. and Rakim, uh, Rob Bass and Easy Rock, that's 1988 as well. The sheer amount of ones I wanted to do that were 90, 1990. Mm. Oh yeah, me too. Like that was when it really broke. Yeah, but eighty-eight is is a massive year. Um, so yeah, Slick Rick, uh, when he's a kid, gets uprooted out of London and he's brought to uh, the states to New York by his family, and this leads to this ongoing thing for years and years and years where he is visaless, 
right? So even though he's touring America and touring the world, every time he wants to go back to America, he has to sneak in, right? So he's like hiring boats and shit to like literally Jesus. like coyote himself. Even though he himself. probably had number one albums yeah, in America yeah. at the time. Yep. So he's like coyoteing himself into America all the time. Now, there's a cool, really fucking mad story that uh, he got a bodyguard. He had a bodyguard. He was huge and uh, thought he needed a bodyguard. So if I remember correctly, his bodyguard was like his cousin's cousin or his auntie's something. Somehow, somehow kind of related to him in a long distance kind of way. And this bodyguard, he had him for ages. But the bodyguard started... (laughs) Bodyguards start um, extorting him for money. Right? He wasn't happy with his wages. Right. He wanted more and more and more and more. And it got to the point where this bodyguard start uh, like sending him death threats. Right? And like he stands, that's definitely what about that's the opposite of what a bodyguard. Exactly. The, the fella did not number one rule the job bodyguarding skill. No, no, all. he's he's threatening the body mm. rather than protecting it. Exactly. That's the opposite of his job. So apparently, what happened was this guy is fucking uh, now. If I if I'm led to believe that this is true, that he's still working for Slick Rick. Like he's standing beside him, protecting him in the club, while whispering in his ear, like, you can give me money, I'm going to kill you. Right? So this is going on for ages. And Rick wakes up one morning and goes out and finds uh, two like shotgun blast holes in his front door. Right? Wakes up, what the fuck runs downstairs? Two shotgun blast holes in his front door. So he's thinking, it's this cunt. This fucking bodyguard of mine now is after yeah. ramping it up. So about two days later, Slick Rick walks outside his front door and he sees this bodyguard fella walking towards his house. So Rick runs in, grabs a fucking gun and just starts spraying, right? Just starts shooting at his bodyguard. So he hits your man in the foot and he shoots some other board in the foot. He must have been aiming mad low, right? <laughs> but he, he, hits, he hits this fucking, hits his bodyguard and hits some random woman just crossing the street. Gets locked away for attempted murder, right? He, <laughs> I can't remember how long he was in jail for. It wasn't that long, I don't think. It was something stupid. 88 years. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was something. It was like 19 months or something. I can't remember. I can't I can't actually remember. I should have looked it up. Maybe it was a couple of years. But um, he had recorded enough stuff for a second album. That was put out while he was in jail. And he released, after the first album, the first album was called The Great Adventures of Slick Rick. And that was inc- incredibly well received. That charted for 11 weeks. And... Uh, Done incredible business. This this song, um, Children's Story, is only the second single after after album. I think there was a, there was three, maybe four singles after album. Right. But he released a bunch of albums while he was in and out of jail, and they're all shy. Jail albums are they good? Are they ever good? I don't know. There's well, there's Bad Brains maybe. Um, he recorded vocals. HR Bad Brains recorded the vocals for. Uh, Oh, my brain. Still you have to sing it over the phone. In, I was going to say sing it into like, the air conditioner. Someone is no, he, sang, he it. sang it into the phone and the lads on the, on the, end of, in the other end of the phone had to take the phone recording. It's sound It's a mad sound. But it's, it's kind of made the sound like that as well. Right. But anyway, go back to Slick Rick. <laughs> so they're after releasing all these albums while he's in jail and they're fucking garbage behind bars, they're called, all this type of shit, you know. But they're, they're, they're not good. They, I think they basically Dr. Octagon them. They just took a load of what they had yeah. recorded and spread it out over fucking 10, 11 tracks per album. Eventually, when he does get out, he um, releases uh, another album called The Further Adventures, I think it's called, of Slick Rick, and that's super. That's considered to be the actual follow-up to The Great Adventures of, because he had time to 
fucking put yeah. the effort into it. Um, but the the music did he get, from, did he get a new bodyguard? Yeah, I don't know, I don't know. But it was it was only so that song came out in two thousand eight two thousand eight yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that song came out in nineteen eighty eight. No way, right? That's mad. Okay, and it was only in two thousand and fifteen that he was granted U.S. citizenship. How fucking mad is that? Jesus. He was released out of jail, I think, because of, because of further evidence. They found evidence saying that you know, he did fear for his life and he had registered complaints with the with the cops um, that this dude was trying to kill him and whatever the fuck happened. He eventually got out. And uh, the, this song is uh, the main riff for our children's story will be one of the main riffs for uh, Montel Jordan's This Is How We Do It. It's Friday night, and I feel all yeah. Yeah, But yeah, that was literally copied by a thousand people. There were samples from that taken all over the place. But yeah, Slick Rick Children's Story is a killer. Yeah, it is a really good song. It's a killer, killer song. Um, uh, Like I said, he is originally born, um, born and bred in London, and then I don't don't know what age he was. I couldn't find any information about age. I mean, he could have been a toddler. I don't fucking yeah. know. He doesn't Where England speak. just didn't matter. Register. Wasn't wasn't even really awake. Um, MF Doom was the same, isn't he? Yeah. He's, uh, he's English. He's yeah. from Birmingham, I think. I think something like that. Yeah, there's a, there's a couple of lads um, that were, were were shipped off to uh, to um, America yeah. um, when, they were, when they were influenced by their family. Um, but yeah, that's, that's mine. What's your next one? My next one is Cordis Blow, The Breaks. Yes. 1980. So that was a close one, but Way on the in. other end. Way in. I fucking love this song. I just think it's bizarrely too long. It's yeah, this, that's a big issue. Like, if you go back and listen to something like The Message as well, it's just, it's forever long. Yeah, but, but the thing about The Message is, it's full of lyrics. Yes, it's This riddled. one's full of just breakdowns. Mm. So I remember, I really wanted to play this in the clubs all the time, and I just had to edit it myself. Just take out chunks of... Yeah. They start off with, clap your hands, everybody. Yeah. And then, but then, like he'll do that later again for, with a big breakdown. Just the drums going for ages. I'm like seven and a half minutes, man. Yeah, but that's. Stop. I don't think anybody knew. I put the shorter version on this playlist because. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think the whole idea around 1980 would have been the kind of house parties and block parties. Oh no, it made sense. Like, you know, that, so you'd want, yeah. as well as that, the song was so good and everything was so new that that would have sounded like about three or four minutes long. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's also stuff like, and there were so many people dancing. They'd have bits where like one person could break dance for the song. It was built for dancing, like so. Exactly. So it doesn't transfer well into like an album setting. Yeah, especially yeah. You listen to it now. Yeah, but you know, it is it just to forty years later. I fucking love it when it, when it's kicking in. These are the breaks. Uh, no samples. It's all real instruments. Uh, yeah, it was written. It was written and recorded for this. Really? Yeah, well, that's eight. That's nineteen eighty. Mm-hmm. I mean, the samples weren't really. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Eighty. There was also what it would have been. But the late seventies, early eighties, where they couldn't get sample clearance as well, so that's where oh like, um, yeah, yeah, Sugar Hill, Sugar Hill Gang rappers the came from. They couldn't get sample clearance, so they yeah. just wrote music. He's he is, I think, the first commercially successful mainstream rapper, according to the world. Wiki to the Pedia. No, well, maybe them as well. Um, it was half a million copies. That's quite a lot for. For a rap single in, in the, the 80s, is it. absolutely There metal. wouldn't have been even a separate chart written back then, I'd say. Well, there probably would have been like an R&B chart. That it would be a separate like, race that. chart yeah, in America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they got rid of that after a while. <laughs> um, that didn't last, but it did last long, to be fair. Um, um, let me see. I, I, I find it hard to listen to you. Like, that's why I'm glad. I'm not even mad about the edit I put on this. I think it's a, a five-minute, a five-and-a-half-minute edit you could do. That's, that's perfect. Enough. Perfect. Four-and-a-half is probably slightly too short. 
And because uh, you don't want because the the main crux of the song, if you repeat that too much, that's why it is good. But it's broken up, mm. just not that many times. That he does it. Uh, his flow is a bit fucking corny. Of course it is. But it's 1980. They all had the same flow, like, you know. Yeah. That, that was, it was being difficult for people. They're all not necessarily copying each other, but it was a, it was like a, a block movement where, yeah. uh, like, like you've, probably, you've seen millions of documentaries about it as well. Like, like every kind of borough in New York had its own exactly. crew. And they yeah. were all trying to outdo each other. And if there was one that was too different, they wouldn't have been taken. I know, absolutely, yeah, it's you know? too weird, yeah, it has to fit, so yeah. It has to fit to the of formula. Course. It was only, like we said earlier, it's only in the late 80s where that formula starts breaking a yeah, little bit. It's because they, they did it so much, they were like, right, we need to, that's, that's how music is, will always work. If something's done too much, it if it's pop, if it stops selling, it'll need yeah. to be upgraded. If it's rock, it, it's over. It's overused, people stop going to the gigs, and it's like, that's too mm. much, too much the same, we need to change up. And now, because music is only so, you can only do so much with music, you're just going to get repetitions all yes, the time now. Yeah. So all the main, all the main styles of music are out now. We won't not going to get any more new ones. It's fucking crazy to think about it like that. Yeah, we're probably we not getting new ones. Hopefully, there's a load of old ones that don't come back. Yeah, I mean, pray to God we don't get like a glam rock. Well, the two big ones that for me Again. have come back now have been, which is weird because they're wearing nineties clothes. It's synth wavy yeah. stuff, and even and also shoegazy eighties, eighties nineties shoegazy yeah. stuff is back. Uh, mixed with post punk, yep, that's back in a big way big as way. well. Um, hip hop is changing. Hip hop's not great right now. No, I'll be honest with you. It's it, not about, so about ten years ago, we were nice little new. new there was yeah. some great stuff. Jay Z and Kanye West and all. Yeah. I know that's pretty fucking obvious, but even like uh, Mad Vian and all, it's yeah. fucking just brilliant. But um, now it's it's really everyone has to have little in front of their name. Little chub face, <laughs> little, little, chunk, little, little chunkers, little shoehorn, yeah. <laughs> just little horn massive tattoos they have to die before they're 22 yeah. and the music is very drugged yeah like but what you're Cody getting and lean is that what they call it lean yeah well what you're getting is uh, you're getting good stuff being released by the artists who kind of have a little bit of tenure so you got your Kendrick Lamar's and stuff who have been around for a while yeah um, they're still, still releasing solid stuff but now it's, it's honestly YouTube and SoundCloud yeah million hits yeah there's a guy on, I think it's SoundCloud now, he's in the charts now. I think he has 72 million hits on, on, the, on Bandcamp, actually. Yeah. He has it as far as I know. 72 million. And, and I can't think of his name, he's, he's, he's in the top five now. But to be fair, it's a very old school hip-hop track, mm. which is great. So hopefully that, that, gets, that gets it torn again. Could torn again, absolutely. Yeah. But uh, right now it's in a bit of a fucking... Yeah, it's a bit mixed up at the moment. But it will, it will find its way. Yeah. It will. It will. Yeah, of course, blow the brakes. I mean, if you don't know it, you do. Just go listen and go, yes. oh, yeah, I know yeah. that. The guitar licking it is the funky guitar lick is so much fun. I, I would say over half of the songs on this playlist, even if you don't recognize, you know. Yeah, absolutely. One yeah. way or another. Yeah. They've just been around for too long for you not to have heard them in a, in a movie or a video game or something, you know? We tried yeah. to make this inclusive to everybody. Yes. No, we didn't. <laughs> no, we never really. This works out like that. You're just lying. <laughs> I'm rubbing my face while lying. Uh, Roy, are you okay? No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm fucking hanging. Is this I'm not um, in the best place. As well. I wish we were doing something like that. I knew more, but I know. And I, I barely scrape by in this podcast. There's been t- podcasts that I've put forward to you where you've gone. I don't. I'll, I'll do it. You know what I mean? We'll, we'll do it because we can't always do to no. everything we know. So, but to be fair, the more I thought about this, these these songs I picked, I do love. I just don't. I'm not in the genre. Mm. I don't know much about it, so mm. I'm not going to pretend to. I get you. So uh, yeah. I get you. Um, so who is your next one my next one is Tone Loke 
Funky Cold Medina. That's a fun song. It's fun as fuck. And it's better than Wild Thing, which is garbage. Um, Funky Cold Medina. Yeah, again, another song you absolutely know. Definitely. Like, no, no. This is 1989. I broke the mold here. Oh, was it written in 88, though? It was probably recorded in <laughs> 1988. Uh yeah, it's from the album Loked After Dark, number one in the Billboard charts. Uh, sold over one million copies, the single did. Sure. Um, the song's about a love potion um, mm. that he is experimenting with. They're illegal. But they don't, don't work as well. So <laughs> I don't know how something that doesn't work can be illegal. But, uh, oh, well, you're talking like Spanish fly and all that shit, is yeah, that what you Yes, I'm not talking about like fucking... Fizzy sleepers, like <laughs> I talking about love, like actual Spanish fly and all that malarkey. So the song is basically about Tom Loke gets a hold of some uh, funky cold Medina and uh, gives it to his dog. His dog starts fucking riding his leg. Doesn't know what to do. Uh, goes on and on with him trying it out on people to see if it works and it definitely works. And by the end of it, he decides it's not worth it. And he fucks down a train. Still rape, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> uh, this song. Has samples from a fucking million artists in it. Like, you wouldn't even know. It's incredible. I went yeah. through the list Rolling Stones. Holy shit. Foreigner. Kiss. Backman Turner Overdrive. And the Gap Band. So he basically sampled Radio Nova. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Radio Nova. <laughs> Fuck all the starship. <laughs> Funky cold Radio Nova. Um. Yeah, uh, Tone Oak also, I only found this out today as well. He voiced a character in that cartoon movie, Fern Gully. Do you remember Fern Gully? I was only reading about Fern Gully the other day because I was on, um, it was made in Ireland, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, for probably. It is. Everyone was. It was made up uh, in Wolf uh, Studios or one of them. Yeah, oh God, no. What's the ones the that made the, the fucking one about the mouse, fighting yeah, the mouse. And yeah. All. yeah, I know, I know. Sul- Sullivan is your man's name, wasn't uh, it? I, oh, I know it's going to Because it was on the 80s page and they were showing like the old studio. Okay. I'm almost, oh, where is that? That's going to do my fucking nothing. Wasn't it? Was good? it not called Fox Studios or something? No. Uh, no. I'll look it up in a minute. Sullivan, Sullivan something. I don't remember. Sullivan, Backman, Turner, Overdrive. Overdrive. <laughs> Nova. <laughs> uh, they made Fern, yeah, no, that's crazy that you mentioned it because uh, I was I started randomly reading up all about that and how they had huge successes with Fern Gully and then... Fern Gully, I remember how big Fern Gully was. Um, I also saw someone randomly saying that should be remade today. That's a toured case of Fern Gully I've heard randomly. No, they made a bunch of them. Yeah. Um, they made like a load of straight to fucking video. It is weird that Tom Loke did a voice for it, I think. Well, I've never seen it, so I don't fucking know. Uh, I'm reading about it here while, while we're talking. Yeah. Uh, Fern Gully, Croyer Films, FAI Films, and it's an Australian company, it says here. Oh, well then... Then I'm definitely after Maybe because I know there was a bunch of stuff made um, over here. That, that uh, whatever, American Tail, is that what it was called? American Tail, yeah. Yeah, that, that was definitely made here. So I don't know if it was the same company. But yeah, he uh, voiced a character in that. Um, Tom Loke suffers from weird seizures. And that is why he wears sunglasses all the time. It's not just to look cool. He thinks that um, he has some sort of like visual thing that causes the um the seizures that's why he's constantly wearing real dark sunglasses he thinks it is or it is i don't know he, apparently he, well, i, th- he, I think it can i think it maybe, can be to be honest with like you yeah. i think it, i absolutely yeah. do think that's yeah. so but he he says that like it helps him but like he's being pulled off stage 
hundred thousand times while having seizures. Really? Doing like live gigs yeah, in the last like twenty years. Him and Ian Curtis. Yeah, exactly. Just full and pulling full bangers on stage in front of people. Jesus. I mean, there's not like there's nothing in the crowd. You can't get pissed off if you're Fuck no. crowd doing that. Of course you can't. It's a fella having a fucking Don't have a seizure when I go to see you. Yeah, exactly. You'd see, you'd see that now on Facebook. Uh, to be fair, you'd see Town Over Fiverr now. Like. You'd see, come to Brazil, but don't have a seizure. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Please <laughs> have no seizure. <laughs> come, come to Brazil. Okay. I love that. I love that meme coming around. Anyone post that and go to Brazil. Yeah. Dude, people not go to Brazil. All the time. What are they fucking moaning about them? The problem, Brazil is fucking monstrous. That's the problem. That's probably it, to be fair, yeah. That's so, probably it. Then I come with your fucking favela in the woods. You'll have to go to a city to see bands like... Same way if you're from Cork, you're fucked. You need to come to Dublin. <laughs> <coughs> um, yeah, that's Town Oak. That's 1989. Um, again, big song. Uh, very well known. It's probably... Would it be his biggest song? Maybe Wild Thing would be slightly bigger. No, this um, is bigger. Do you reckon this is Definitely. bigger than Wild Thing? No, well, you know what? It's hard to know. I'd say... It's about well, the same I'd album. say Wild Thing sold more, but this is known more. People know this more and sing it more because yeah. it's not a shit... Yeah, I think it's because it has that kind of guitar code sample in it as well. I was thinking of the secret of Niv, not Fern Gully. Niv, no, no, don't don't say that. The secrets of nymphs. No, (laughs) (laughs) we all want to know him, lad. Too many secrets there, really. Yeah, they definitely not Irish. Uh, um, yeah, so that's the end. That's uh, that's 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 the end of Town Lock. Who's your next? That's one? the end of Town Lock. Oh, listen, I'm full lad. This is not I can't the end believe of we drank that much last night. He's still alive. He's still going. <laughs> why did we? Why did we drink last night and not tonight? Well, I have to go to. I've go somewhere. You go back tomorrow. to school tomorrow. Yeah, for yeah. a few days. It's nonsense. Are you going to jail? Are you going to school? Jail. Yeah. No. Bullshit. Go to jail because it's free school in jail. Oh yeah. See. What do we have to do? Stab someone at him. Stop you. It's grand. <laughs> oh, we need a few days off anyway. My next one is, ah, oh, you see, this is my barn. NWA, fuck the police. You have to, listen. Do we have to do 88? It's 88, by the way. Of course it. No, you can't. There's no way. Yeah. It's an obvious choice. It is. But you can't do 80s hip-hop without doing NWA. No, it's it would be impossible. weird. impossible. Because they wouldn't have made into, if we do a 90s one, they wouldn't make into that and they'd be like, lads, you skipped over the you, big one. You can't, you can't do it. Because we're not trying to be, we're not trying to be cool here. Well, I'm, try, I'm trying to be killed sometimes. Yes. Like when I picked Jane's Addiction for the best songs of yes. all time, yeah. even though some people agree with me. Mm. Uh, knowing that realistically probably could be better. No, no, I don't. No, 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 I'm not going back now. Um, yeah, like it, it, if it, the list looked weird without it. It's weird. We don't want to be too obvious, but at the same time, we don't want people to really listen and go, Adam Saps didn't put NWA yeah. in. Yeah. That's stupid. No, NWA has to go in. It looks wrong. What song did you pick? Uh, Fuck the Police, because I thought Straight Outta Compton's great. Uh, I actually prefer Shredder Compton the song. Do you? Much more. Uh, oh, no, I don't know. They're two very similar. But they're both almost identical. Let's be brutally honest. Yeah, they are very similar. And they're both better than Express Yourself, which doesn't even fit in that album. It's a great song. Why did they do that again? Just for radio play? When even they were playing it on the radio. Like they were playing the Fuck the Police and Shredder Compton on the radio. Yeah. Just That's, do you know what I love about this? Like, through the years, if there was someone in power in the black community talking to people, they'd get shot. But if you record it onto a, onto a record and sell it, you can't shoot all those records. Do you know what I mean? Like, I mean yeah. that's that's out in yeah. people's gaps now. It's amazing. Forever. That's that's you yeah. can't get rid of that then, yeah. and that's why they couldn't. They were untouchable. That's why they, like the FBI were trying to stop them. Well, they said you know don't be, don't be sent up at the police. And they're like, well, it is actually it was fucking ballsy. I can't believe it really came to pass. Fuck the police, really. Um, I mean, I, that kind of thing had to eventually break. Well, it's it's obviously one of those. Um, like immortal songs, immortal songs. It's um because of its lyrical content. It's fucking 
Nasty. It's pretty full on. Apparently it's one of the four songs NWA ever wrote as well. Really? Uh, maybe even their first, if I remember correctly. After they were, well, the, well after no. After the, Easy E stuff. Yeah, because they were recording, yeah. they were recording that stuff when the, when, when, the, when the police yeah. were pulling them over, they were yeah. recording Easy E stuff and that's yeah. where they were like. That's where they came together. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, um, but I think like lyrically, Ice Cube had that floating around for ages. Um, bits and pieces. It's hard to know how true the whole arrested story when they play like in, in Detroit is. There's so many mixed stories. Some people say they got arrested at the gig. Some people say they got arrested After. later. Some people say they didn't at all. And it's just off for fucking show. Yeah, nonsense. It's gonna be one of them. Like everyone, sorry, for anyone doesn't know what I'm talking about the bit in the film. Or, you know, yeah, the you watch. We watch the movie. There's a bit where they're told by the police not to not to do fuck the police, and obviously they do do it. And are they pulled off stage on the in the movie? No, no but remember. they don't make it through the whole. They don't play the whole song. Yeah, they get cut off. That's, that's the truth because people yeah. were there, and said, but no one knows what happened mm. afterwards. But uh, I think they could have been arrested possibly afterwards. I'd, I'd say they were realistically. Yeah. I'd say they were absolutely arrested. Yeah. Whether anything came of it or not afterwards, I, I couldn't tell you. Um, the chronic. Yeah, did. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, 2001. Was he with them? Um, was Dre with them for the next album or two? I think he was. It was only Ice Cube left out their first album. Dre stuck around, I think, for one. He filled for a second. Cube was on that, wasn't he? Uh, he might be on one or two songs and we had some stuff recorded. I don't know what. It was the next one, not For Life. Dot, 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 For Life. Was I that thought. the second album? I can't remember. You could Brain's be right. gone blank. Um, but yeah, eventually they all fucked off. Um, bar, easy. Like, apart from... Six, and Ren and Yellow, apart f- yeah. nobody wanted. <laughs> not really. Apart from Six in the Morning, which is the first sort of technical gangster rap song. Technically, yeah. It, but it didn't, like, didn't hoard people. Uh, this hoarded, hoarded them. Yeah, Six in the Morning was a, was a underground kind of street hit. Um, For Ice Tay, I should say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but it, it wasn't... Because um, it wasn't... It didn't really... It just put across a message of people's day-to-day reality, Six in the yeah. Morning. Well, I think... Fuck the it, was a style, it was a style of gangster rap, but this was lyrically... Lyrically, this was like... This brutality personified, yeah. like you know, and and, and the fact that like, as well, all these things once they get big, ninety nine percent of the people listen to them are we, who kind of yeah. um, were with them, were behind them, absolutely, you yeah. know, and um, or not even behind them. Like, well, you got little kids who are mad into it, and then there's you got, a lot of ways to try and piss your parents off, and a gangster rap band that's a pretty would good be way to do it. massive one, a pretty good way to do it. But that, that's that big, big. That's of the three songs that they're known for. Yeah, that's the most infamous. I don't think that they have that many good songs. They don't. They've got one album, <laughs> yeah. let's call it, you know what I mean? And yeah. even a lot of albums. Is not Especially towards great. the end, I'm not really into yeah. It's too long as well. Yeah, it is too, too long. long. But now it is, the skits and all that are not bad. Garbage. Oh, there should be no rap albums ever released with skits. Just get rid of them. Really? I don't want most of them. I like Eminem's once. I, I did once in the first album because yeah. I was like 15 and I thought this is unreal. <laughs> I didn't mind the ones on the Fugees. No. Fuck them all out. I'm done. I'm oh, I wouldn't listen to one now, like. Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't make one now. With them. It just seems like a way to bulk out an album to try and get fuck a 45, 50 minutes out of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Can't do it. So, uh, NWA is not much more point in my saying No. About that. What's your next one? Uh, Colors by Ice T. We were just talking about him. We were just talking about Ice T. What year? Uh, uh, this is. What year? 1988, of course. <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> um, so, this is this was for a movie, this is a soundtrack. Yeah, I'm sorry, it's not on an album. Beyond like the best of or something like that. Yeah. Years later, but for a, it was originally for a movie of the same name called Colors, and um, but spelt wrong because it's American. And uh, oh, is that the one with Robert Duvall and Sean Penn? Uh, yes. 
That's a great film. Yes. I mean, I don't remember any of it. Color but when I see it in the color. 80s, and when I see it in the 80s, I like, <coughs> actually, that's not saying much because you never go back and yeah. revisit a film like, from the 80s. Oh, yeah, about it. Like, oh, the pacing's all off on this. <laughs> yeah. And this nothing is, ever happens. I, I could have picked six in the morning. Yeah. Um, I, I, I wanted, what did I want? I wanted the tower, but the tower was like 1992 or something. Like that. That's what I wanted, but I couldn't get it. Yeah. Um, so I had to go back. The IC's first album, uh, <sighs> bar <laughs> six in the morning. It's very 1987. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's uh, well, you're a 1998 man. Uh, yeah, I'm an 88 guy. <laughs> We're both yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it's very, it's very 80s. It's fine. It's it's okay. Um, 88, I think he had, was 88 or 89, he put Power out. Power's okay as well. There's some decent stuff on Power. Um, this is 88 also. This would have been kind of in the middle of those first two albums. Yeah. And um, I, I picked this because it's not on an album really. It's a standalone track to a degree. He got a name for doing soundtracks for a while. He done like Ricochet and um, and a few other bits and pieces on movies. Is that how he got into films, you think? Huh? So I wonder is that how he got into films. Apparently he got into... What was it uh, SVU or whatever SVU, that's Law yeah. and Order or whatever the fuck it is he done for us? Um, he he was in he was in New Jack City. Yeah, that's right. So he done New Jack Hustler, which is off. That's another soundtracky song he done. He done three or four movie soundtracks, but uh, apparently after playing, actually like, played a cop in that, and everybody was like, I "Can't believe Ice T, like gangster rapper, is playing a cop," and he kind of got off on the idea of playing, getting to play a good cop because he only ever ha- dealt with shit cops yeah. his entire life. So he liked the idea of being able to show, like, I can somebody can be a good one, you know. Um, Which is lies? It's probably a lie. I don't know. All cops are bad. A C A B, and also fuck the police. <laughs> and also fuck the police. Yeah. Um, this song was covered by Machine Head once. Was it? Yeah, Colors was covered by Machine Head. Yeah. Oh fuck! I think oh, I remember. I think I. Oh, did I hear that? <laughs> Machine Head are a god-awful band yeah, sometimes. Garbage, sometimes yeah. they're great, but sometimes they yeah. are awful. Uh, the song was written by Ice-T and Africa Islam, who wrote a lot of stuff together. Um, around this time, he started his little rap group called the Rhyme Syndicate as well. They put out one or two albums that are fucking garbage. It's like his kind of group. They're no crack. Yeah. No crack, those albums. But uh, Ice-T, as we talked about earlier, believe wholeheartedly, really only found his legs in the 90s with Home Invasion Home Invasion is fucking incredible and OG is fucking incredible those two albums if, if you're going to listen to any OST like, skip, uh, skip the first two realistically yeah. I'm not saying they're bad they're just very 80s and he the, boy Home Invasion he's starting to believe his own hype yeah and he's after every photo was him with fucking Technoians and AK-47s yeah. and he's wearing berets and sunglasses and he's and the, full and the booms are so big yeah Exactly, yeah. and and the boobs, yeah. and they're all bikinis. Oh, just the maddest bikinis. Not him in any of this. No, not him. Not him. He's not wearing bikinis in any of this. So oh. You're getting away with it. But yeah, he, he really fought, he, he finds his feet in the nineties, and uh, that's for me where Ice T should live. Um, he has a new album coming out this year, and he's done. He's released snippets of a couple of songs on Instagram, and they actually sound fucking incredible. Really, because his last hip hop album is a fucking is disgusting. Hip hop is so strange with that, isn't it? Like it's very <laughs> rare. You know the way when when rock bands go through periods where a couple of bad albums and then back up to good again. It's never really scutter amazing. Yeah. Scutter rap seems to go scutter amazing. Scutter yeah, is like yeah. well, obviously is known for that. Even yeah. body count, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like one is savage, two is you know three. I like a lot for yeah. But he, I think he released his last album. I think was called Gangster Rap, and it's it's so bad. 
It's so it's so terrible. What's the theme of the album? It's about uh, <laughs> rainbows and uh, stopping the ivory trade in Africa. Um, yeah, it's it's fucking it's it's so terrible. Like it sounds like it was recorded in a shed. I think there's a body count album as well that sounds like it was recorded in a shed that nobody ever talks about. I think there's like a secret body count album that they released before the the two ago. Which is their big reunion. Bloodlust was the last one, wasn't it? Whatever the fucking. They should have recorded an album in Morgue for the crack. Morgue. In a morgue. Yeah. Maybe that's where they did it. Because there's awful acoustics in exactly. there. All metal. Yeah. Walls, seal. No, stop. Bodies vibrating, falling yeah. off shelves and all. Use that as the kick drum sample. Boom <laughs> 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 um, Yeah, yeah. Listen again. Toys T. He uh, pretty much invented it. He he paved the road for most other people. He wanted to go down that uh that gangster rap road but and he's angry he's very angry I love how angry he is he's very angry yeah. strange enough Ice-T musically most of the stuff is fucking shite I will say that I'll, put, I'll, I'll die on that hill I find that his like backing music and his beats and all are not great it's hard to find one that has like uh, suits the tone of his vocals and his delivery very very yeah I, I kind of noticed that about him especially his early work he doesn't care what's going on no just give me he's, he's like oh, I want to talk block. I'm just going for it. I don't it. care. Exactly. There's no real artistry in the music. No, it's, no. Like, and he yeah. had crews of lads down for him, like, you know yeah. what I mean? But none of it was ever really any good. Um, I think the best one musically is probably The Tower, the one I was talking about. It's just real mm. grim and it works. Um, or That's How I'm Living sounds really good as well. It's got a cool little bass loop in it. But he never really had the, the music. I'd love to see... I'd love to see him get together with like a killer producer, like, a, like someone who's... who's Known for just pumping out monstrous fucking music. Kanye West. So imagine, imagine like, that. Like it'd be that absolutely be. incredible. It would be, he could he could do anything justice. You know what I mean? That's the the beauty of him. I don't know what the fuck he's like now to do with sixty. You know what I mean? Who knows what the fuck he's, he's like now? He's always he's never hung around much with the crowd. Like he, no, he doesn't. know he doesn't like. I know he does a lot. He, he does like collaborations and all, yeah. but. And he does, I just always, he's on the outside that, a little bit. He's done very few, like he had that little group of Kill Keith called the Analog Brothers. And um, he's done one or two other little bits and pieces. But it, like, from, from someone like me that doesn't know much, he always seems like he's on the outside a little yeah, bit. Yeah, he's, uh, he's universally loved by everyone. Oh yeah. Does no one ever say shit about him. But he's just, he does his own thing. Like, he, he, his he, own doesn't, thing. he doesn't fucking smoke, he doesn't smoke weed, he doesn't drink. He yeah. just buys mad cars and bangs his mad looking missus. That's all he does. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's literally all Ice T does, and he's happy doing it. Yeah. Doing show films and show television, you know, and just aging really weird. Yeah. He's aging so weird. He's turned. He's full like little Benjamin Button heading him. Like his nose is getting all weird, and his skin is going fucking mad. I don't know what's going on. So he's getting them chemical peels. He's mad looking. I don't know what's going on with his hair. He only looks all like he's doing body count. He's wearing mad, mad fucking. Looks like he's turning into a mole. Yeah. He's just he's converting into a pug. Odd. Yeah, it's a pug mole. I don't know. He's just he's looking fucking odd weird at the moment. But anyway, that's his tea. What's your next one? Uh, my next one is No Sleep Till Brooklyn by the Beastie Boys. Of course. Uh, I was going to go with Paul Revere, but I don't think it's as good as No Sleep Till Brooklyn. So uh, also, this is this is, the reason I picked this. It encapsulates Beastie Boys more. I yeah. think it's got Kerry King on guitar. It does. Which. That's it. That's it. That's it. It's a Rick Rubin. It's a Rick Rubin thing. Hey, everybody hang around together, and you know, yeah. nobody knows I'm not that good. I was going well, to put Paul Revere on just for that fucking backwards kick drum fucking yeah. feel because it's mental. I don't like that. That's the kind of, yeah. that's the kind of hip hop. That's, that's why we run the MC on. Not on this, this. <laughs> no, yeah. just no, no music. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it's just a rap. That's great. That's pure, unadulterated yeah. rap. Yeah. Unfiltered. It's, it's not for me. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. The only reason I would have picked it is just for the actual, the kind of weird, stupid, fake story told in the actual song itself about how the BC Boys got together. Yeah. Like, you know, about shooting people. It's mad. You couldn't release it now. You could not release that song now. You know, like, MCA shot a lot of people in the pharmacy and it's just outrageous. Yeah. But, um, uh, but is it true, do you think? Absolutely, no. No. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't think uh, that any of that's... Broken is, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's ridiculous. The whole, even the name of the song is sort of a poke at the, the motorhead. Uh, yep. No, Hammersmith. Hammersmith. But even on the video as well, I think it's, the song isn't, isn't about the video or the name really. Mm. The video is a little bit taking the piss out of like how gatekeepy the rock scene is yeah. and, and how seriously the rock scene took itself like that. but the song is just about fucking going around being Brooklyn. stupid well, I, I went, wanting to get back to Brooklyn when you're out touring or whatever like that you know? well I read something recently it was, was actually about uh, Rick Ross and Beastie Boys and um, he Rick Ross was a massive pro wrestling fan massive really like invested in companies followed companies around like Whatever he could do to help pro wrestling companies, he would do. And when he first got the BC Boys, he didn't put the BC Boys together. The BC Boys started off as a punk rock band. Yeah. Who uh, the name Beastie Boys? They took from Bad Brains. They wanted a BB. Yeah. You know what I mean? So they were obsessed with Bad Brains. Um, you can get an EP of theirs. Is it Polywog Stew or one of them? You can get you can get just a couple of recordings of BC Boys being like a punky hardcore band doing the rounds. And they eventually kind of morphed into this weird, stupid, fun, hip-hop-y rock, rap, rap. whatever yeah. the fuck it was meant yeah. to be. But Ross basically based their entire... Like when you go back and watch all the all the videos and performances, you'll see them running around with like inflatable dicks and fucking, you know, all the backwards caps and the fuck yeah. the stupid garbage, like tomfoolery, Tom fuckery. It's all based on Rick Ross telling them what to do. And he wanted them to be like bad guys out of pro wrestling. Right. So he was like, "Right, here's what we're going to do. We don't, we don't want like cookie cutter nice Jewish influence who can rap. We yeah. want you to be disgusted. We want you picking your nose and flicking at the camera." Which, real, if you're right, makes sense. Then exactly. So you want he, he wanted real 19, 1980s heel wrestler baddies. Heel, yeah, is what he wanted. You know, like the the fucking um, uh, who would you even consider uh, the nasty boys and all this type of stuff? Yeah. You know, that's who they were based off. That persona, you know, eventually along comes stuff like Paul's Boutique, and they eventually start finding really, legs, yeah, like, they're really real good, quick, like, yeah. like, and they start producing most of their own stuff and getting involved in the instrumentation end of it. But they never, uh, they also never left their their proper punk rock roots no. behind as well. You know, it was evident with obviously sabotage, and yeah, Heart Attack Man and that monarchy. But um, yeah, it started off as a wannabe bad brains punk rock hardcore band, but were obviously swept up in that New York hip hop scene. Yeah. Um, and when uh, Ross like, filmed. You, you get into the studio with Ross and the manager from Run DMC. Yeah. What's the name? You're going to listen to everything they of course say. You are. You're going to do absolutely everything Rick they Ross, say. Like. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's you good do they did know. find their way with. They fucking watched a lot of WWF and just copied the fucking stuff. And they were more famous for their antics than their songs at the yeah. start, you know. Um, also, having a lot of white lads rapping would have been new and interesting. So they couldn't have them do, be too street, if yeah. you get me, you know? Couldn't be acting too fucking cool. So they had to be fucking stupid. They had to act like dopes. And uh, they acted like dopes under the Bro dudes. Just, not, almost not bro, bro dudes. Kind of like, like just, kicked out of college 
pisshead yeah. boys are drinking gobshites. Do you yeah. know what I mean? But yeah. again, they were all kind of anti-establishment, anti-authoritarian. Yeah. Fight for your right to party, fucking nonsense. And they've changed a lot their lyrics since. since. Oh, absolutely. Gone back and revised a lot a lot of stuff, yeah. you know. Um, there's, there's still they took any know, kind of misogynistic comments. Out. Oh, yeah. Any any homophobic stuff, any misogynistic stuff, which yeah. would be in part for the course back then, uh, would have been just something weird and funny to say. Um, that's Just all gone normal for them at the time of course it was you know, yeah. nobody fucking told them any different the uh, No Sleep Till Brooklyn chorus has Rick Rubin's girlfriend on it really as well as the uh, the receptionist for Def Jam they just got the two of the girls and they were like we need a female voice to get the higher yeah. even though Beastie Boys had a high, very high pitched yeah, voices yeah. they got them in for a separate thing. Mm, yeah. a bit that's, of layering that's just yeah it's a great, it is a great song it's, it's such a fun song mm. You can stick that in the car and just be like, yeah, doesn't matter where you're going. You're probably not going to go to Brooklyn if you're in a car. It's also if you play guitar, it's fucking one of them warm up, have a bit of crack. Well, it's it's AC, it's an ACDC TNT, oh, yeah. but it's played down, I think, yeah. dropped down a lot. Yeah, so that's my one. That's mm. 86, so we're not an 88 for that's that not one. That's too bad. What's your next one? It's 1988. No way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's Eric B and Rakeem. I wanted a song by them, but it turned out it was t- it wasn't 80s, so. Yeah, but what were you going to do? Yeah. F- fucking Dosfet Technique? No. Uh, no. The song they released for Juice, which I love. Oh, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, to the Edge. I picked a uh, microphone fiend, which also was covered by Rage Against Machine. On That's Renegade. right, yeah. Um, Eric B and Rakim is one of the big, iconic couplings. Yeah. They would have came out with the, the forge of the OG days of an MC and a DJ together making music. Um, they formed in 1986 on... Uh, this this song came out in nineteen eighty, obviously, but the, the, the premier group at the time, like Rakim was, Rakim had a different style to anybody yeah, around that time. That's right. He had real soft. He he wasn't stabbing. Um, wasn't kind of lyrically stabbing like this weird syncopated thing that was happening at the time. Like we were talking about, like don't put me because uh, yeah. quote, two, three, even when the music. For Eric B and Rakim was quite uh, punchy. Yeah, yeah. He still wasn't doing it, was, it. Just like yeah. melted chocolate, like just yeah. caramel. He just had this way of doing things. And apparently, what he used to do is um, he wouldn't write anything. Um, he wouldn't write anything before. I believe he just he'd spend like he'd come into the studio and they'd be making the music and he'd have nothing. He might have a few little things written down in the notebook, but he'd sit there and he'd just write it all on the go. Um, he just done it on the fly wow. for the most part. Um, I think later on, as they progressed, maybe start carrying notebooks around and writing. But I think at the start, he was just banging out whatever he could think of at the time. Uh, the sample is from Average White Band, Schoolboy Crush. Um, this song, this, again, it's been covered by, goddamn, this is outrageous. It's been covered by Iggy Azalea. It's been covered by Radiohead. Really? Yes. It's been covered by Muse. Been covered by the fun loving criminals. Was was Muse just covering Radiohead's cover up? Probably, yeah. <laughs> um, apparently, not, Radiohead don't necessarily cover it, but no. what they do at gigs is they play the music for it. They yeah. all learned how to play fucking microphone fiend, and it's kind of in between songs when one guy is tuning up the rest of them, I'll start yeah. banging that yeah, out. That's you know, that's, that's yeah. a thing that they did together. So, um, uh, when Eric B and Rakeem kind of knocked it on the head after a while, uh, Rakeem signed to Dr. Dre's Aftermath record label. And apparently there was a big hullabaloo about fucking Dre has a hold of Rakeem. This is going to be outrageous. Like, oh my God, this is going to be super. Album never materialized. Just really? Yeah, never I don't, I don't even know whether they recorded anything. Yeah. Something happened along the way. And Dre, I, I can only imagine what a Dre produced Rakeem album would have done. Like, it would have been outrageous. Because he was already, 
like their name for like lyrics and flow in hip hop. But uh, you can only imagine. Look, we were saying earlier, but like imagine an Ice T album produced by Dre. Yeah, fucking fifteen years ago. Not that last Compton bag of shit, but like fucking so terrible. Um, oh, I didn't even. I listened. To, I think a couple of songs off, and I was like, "That's it's yeah, just no thanks." It's no. Apparently, I've got to talk about Dre for a second. There's an album in between 2001 and Compton. He's he's got an album, and it's he won't release it. And apparently, it's like 2001 Part Two. It's called um, Toxic something. My brain is more toxicity or something. Toxicity. <laughs> it's got it's something like that. <laughs> um, um, it's something like that. I can't remember. But uh, he uh, well, that's that's made. It's sitting there ready. Every, the lads who rapped on it, rapped on it, it's sitting there. And he's like, no, he doesn't want to release it because he, uh, he thinks it's two of its time. And, but everyone's like, yeah, but I mean, 2001 part two, that's well, what we want. But as long as he tells that. people it's of his time, then what's the, what's the problem? I what, don't know what? why he won't just bang it out for free or something. Yeah. You know, I don't understand that. Well, he doesn't need, yeah, he doesn't really need anything anymore. He doesn't need anything well, anymore. He's selling fucking headphones to Apple for fucking Maybe it's shy. Maybe Apparently it's, it's outrageously good. People have heard it. Yeah, the people who've heard it. Apparently People are on it, maybe. Yeah. Yes, exactly. They're saying that it's outrageous. Um, but yeah, he, um, he, he, Rakeem got together with him. Never fucking happened. Never materialized. Um, that this song "Microphone Fiend" was sampled by Limp Bizkit for a song called "Give Me the Mic." Don't know the song. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I know the song. I probably know. If it's I probably it. off one of the fucking yeah. Limp Bizkit album that came out like three weeks. Give ago. me the mic. Mm. <laughs> but they sampled this on there as well. But yeah. Eric B and Rakeem was one of the, the big names. They would have been the technical mastery of 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 the of kind of that DJ and style, and then the kind of poetic flow of Rakeem made this strange bedfellows where they weren't making like super poppy strange bedfellows. Yes, they weren't <laughs> making this like super poppy club stuff. Even though it did get it did end up getting played. Like stuff like Don't Sweat the Technique is just an outrageous song. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's fucking outrageous. The flow is great. It's just disgusting. 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 Like, <laughs> disgusting. like fucking Eric B's like and, and the way we feel right now. I feel full disgusting. <laughs> full disgusting. I'm just beer leaking out of every pore of my entire body. Covered on a fine film of fucking batter. That's what I am. And you deep fry me, I'd be fucking delicious. Shame. Shame. Just to state my life. <laughs> Pretty much the absolute statement. Life. Anyway, that's Eric Bain Rakeem. That's a uh, 1988 again, yeah. and that is me. Don, you got the last one. Yeah, we don't have any women on the list. So mm. Lena Cherry. Guess what year? Do you reckon? Technically, 1986, because she was on a song <coughs> that her husband was on. That's the Scott. The whole song is there. Scott Aikman Waterman. Where's Where's she from? England. I don't know. Stockholm, Sweden. Fuck up. Nope. From Stockholm, Sweden. Holy shit. Like, yeah, as a baby, or like... Yeah, oh. as a baby, then moved to America for a bit, and then when she was 14, she moved to London. Which is... She was... Have a guess what punk band she was in for a while. I don't know. The Slits. Really? Because another way they went through a lot of yeah. changes. She was one of them for a while. Fuck off. Yeah. She was in the Slits? Her. Yep. Men. She was living with one of the Slits. Really? Now, I don't know how many, you know the way, I don't know how many people were in now to slits to, to, to make it like a more of a, a project. You know, oh, when sorry. bands do that and you're just like, yeah. Jesus, yeah. Sure, Belinda Carlo was in uh, The Germs as well, wasn't she? Yeah. I think, she, yeah, yeah, I think that's right. I think I heard yeah. that as well. That's mad. Mm. Here's another one of the people who you would not have guessed were in bands. Courtney Love was in Fight No More. Fuck up. 
before they were fighting no more. That's right. I read that. I did read that. And she went to Trinity College. Yes, that's right. Mm. And lived in Ireland. Obviously, if you didn't. Know. So there's, there's, there's wow. Wow's we should factor. have wow facts. We can't really do a podcast on facts, so we have to throw them in every mm. now and then to make ourselves feel cool. This is uh, stuff I remember. This song is so it's fucking good. So outrageous. It's good. so it's 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 kind of it's if 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 Madonna was singing on a Prince song. Yes. That's how it would sound because that's what Stock Aitman Waterman would do. They would look at something and go, "How do we make two things that are huge at the moment yeah. sound like that?" And they Back were together. really good. To be fair, like they really, 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 like people say, like Max Martin and all that writing stuff for Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera or whatever. I don't really remember that music. That it's, it's throwaway stuff. Yeah, for the most part, this is oh, it's good shit. This is we were only listening to it last night. We'll listen to it last night. Drunk. I think I'll, we listened to it three times in a row. Yeah, and <laughs> even danced a bit. Little bit of a dance. Little, little seat dance. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's, it's outrageous. It's one of those. Uh, it's one of those songs I, I, I remember and I forgot about it for so long. You see, I, pref- I preferred Manchild when it came out. Mm. Manchild was my song. I was yeah. like, that's fucking incredible But song. that just got deleted from my memory somehow. Um, Buffalo Stance? Yeah, it was just yeah. gone. And I think randomly I was at a record fair and I was digging through a crate and I pulled a 12-inch single out. I was like, fuck, I remember that. Yeah. And I, was, I didn't even remember this song. I just remembered that I thought it was deadly. But I couldn't remember what it was. I got home, I banged it on. I was like, "Oh, every fucking every, every bit, every part change. of it, like, every oh. little change." And it's and it is actually musically very dated. Yes, because it is. Whereas Manchild, because it was you're using less samples and drums, and it was a slower song. Manchild will will could still be played by a lot of people now, and it wouldn't mm. sound like it's eighties. However, Buffalo Stance is the better song. It's outrageous Absolutely. and it reminds me of Straight Up by Paula Abdul yeah a little bit it has because it's the same it's got that like weird poppy snare yeah but it is a hip hop song yeah, and it is um, she was uh, pregnant with her second child when she went on top of the pops to do this really yeah and then her second marriage she wasn't that she wasn't that old either was it's crazy yeah but apparently that was outrageous when she went on top of the pops pregnant and started singing as if that's so what uh, oh, I just don't know what a buffalo stance is buffalo stance is her crew were called the Buffalo. It includes like the, the hairstylists, yeah. all the dancers, and all that, and all the all our gang. It's like the way, like I don't know, fucking Gwen Stefani, the Harajuku girls. That's what they call themselves, whatever. Yeah. Like that, but it's just your little crew. Your hair. So the Buffalo stance was the the, the, the way they stood or whatever. I don't know, fucking. I don't they stood. They stood real weird. Yeah, don't fucking come poor here, pussy. Me poor, poor pussy stood. Um, fierce weird. She helped Massive Attack out on Blue Lines, really? uh, arranging stuff and. That's why Robert Del Naja helped her write Manchild. She was a part of the Bristol scene as well. She's been everywhere. everywhere. Absolutely everywhere. She's been around. She took her uh, Brit Award and melted it into jewellery. Really? Yeah. She took a good long break. She's, she was never... She's not into that music yeah, scene yeah. at all, as you yeah. can tell. She's a mum. She's got two babies as well. She's probably yeah. like, do you know what? This, this seems better than all this. Yeah, prank. I'm, I'm mammying right now. This, yeah, it's, enjoy, it's more... more it's chill now. Yeah. I seem to have a decent bit of money behind me as well. My brother's eagle eyes cherry. Saved to Nate. Which would make you want to turn yeah. off music forever. It's a couple of pricks in fucking order and just keep streaming Buffalo Stance on Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm making a mint. I'm making a mint. And our dad is a famous... Uh, or sorry, your stepdad is a, a famous musician as well. Okay. And um, so, I don't know. She's, she seems like... If you're part of that Bristol scene as well, you don't ever go for money. Yeah. You're very cool. Like, talking like Banksy massive. Yeah. Like, you know, it's cool to be arty, but it's not cool to... Poor, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, uh, okay. uh, I want to give an honorable shout out to Salt and Pepper. Yeah, you know what? It was really hard for me to. to it was 
it was them or Beastie Boys. I couldn't leave Big Daddy Kane off. It was yeah. the things we couldn't leave off. I really feel bad about leaving Salt and Pepper off as well, actually. Yeah. I, I, there, there were a bunch of female artists in the 80s that were huge. Um, but did, I think that, in a weird way, this the ratio of this is the ratio of, of the way it was. Probably, then. yeah. So we'd be forcing something. And I, I would mm. forcing something now. Salt and Pepper was Tell you what really we will important. do. What we can do. The even the score. At some stage, we will do an eighty-five to ninety-five one, because um, that the 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 scene big time widens up. Yeah, um, in the mid. There's far more time. like Erica Badu and all we're talking because coming yeah. in there and that's yeah that's Plague so that, so this is this isn't yeah yeah once once Tribe Called Quest come in and uh, they open up the floodgates for a lot of people you know yeah um, so we, we can we can absolutely my, uh, we get all that in my honorable mention is nineteen eighty nine down in it by Nine Inch Nails yeah. Yeah, right. Which is a hip hop song. Yeah, dead right. Kind of like a cloud that was up, way up. Literally, Absolutely. just listening to upstairs, I was like, why yeah. didn't I put this on the list? Yeah, 100%. Now, to be fair, imagine I took Nina Cherry, or, or I didn't. Imagine imagine Nine Inch Nails down in it was on and Salt and Pepper wasn't. Yes. Salt and Pepper. Salt and Pepper. That's better than me saying fucking, uh, what was I saying? Nina Simone and Buffalo Stance last night. <laughs> Locked out, pissed down with God yeah. damn, I put Nina Simone and Buffalo Stance. Yeah. I don't think I even said Stance, so I just, think I put Buffalo you know Stance. Listen, maybe we'll just throw Salt and Pepper on it. <laughs> listen, just keep yeah. fucking talking about it. It's a brilliant song. Yeah. Go, go, and, go and listen to fucking yeah. Shoop or something, you know. It's outrageous. So uh, I, thanks for listening to our 80s hip hop one. And I felt 88 years long. I felt, yeah. I felt every minute of that podcast. Yeah. Um, I took 88 beers to I the hope, head. Yeah, I hope, yeah. <laughs> For real. Last night. For real. <laughs> so many. Shocking. Uh, that's, that's our very first genre-specific one, I think. Um, apart from Abominations, which is most, it's, it's almost like a, a Do music, you reckon Abominations, music. like an abomination is a genre all into itself? Yeah. Like there should that's be a what also, That's what I was trying to say. Yeah, there like, should that, be a tag. That's, that's, I almost consider that a genre type. Um, um, I, can't, I can't wait to do part two of that oh this is never ending lad never ending it, we, will, it won't stop like we sounded really angry on that and better but it, it was very cathartic it was very uh, you know. I felt better I felt fucking yeah like 10 pounds lower after it yeah you and know? then we went and round up again smashed up for this yeah this <laughs> is weird this is, yeah, is this the only podcast we've ever done without drinking Fuck, I think it is it is yeah, yeah. It is. and it feels real weird it does feel That's, real weird that could be a problem well, listen, I hope you like the 80s, the, the slim line. It's a fucking difficult podcast to do, but yeah. uh, that, that playlist will actually sound great. It'll really, sound, yeah, yeah. It's the only one that'll sound like it's all thrown together in some sort of... Yeah, we took a few days putting that together. Yeah. Um, thanks, everybody, for listening. We're doing pretty well. Uh, we're moving up. Not in our life, obviously. No, not in our life. It's just an absolute <laughs> fucking disaster. Two messes. Just a heap of shit. <laughs> but the podcast is doing <laughs> the well. The podcast is doing We're getting well. absolutely great feedback off people as we're well. We're getting, getting great reviews. <laughs> oh, yeah. Do you want to read our review? Did we, did we read our review the last time? <laughs> I don't think we read it out. Oh, i got to find this now. <sighs> our review was, I think it was a profanity-laden broadcast of nothingness. nothingness. Yeah, a profanity-laden broadcast of nothingness was the greatest so, review. So thanks for that. I, I Whoever you are, thank you. That's I, going on a t-shirt. I can't remember your name, but you're a hero. doesn't matter. He, actually, we, we quoted him as well, because when I screen-grabbed it, his, his username is there His as username well. is yeah, there. Or hers, yeah. maybe. Or um, sounds like a bloke thing to do. Uh, yeah. Bothering his arse to be a prick, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah um, every other review has been positive uh, we're doing real well we're consistently in the top 10 if you could leave a review on iTunes that'd be sound listen that's especially a good one don't even forget about the old bad ones <laughs> it's I, I can't explain how important it is to 
review and give us stars and if you're, if you're enjoying this every week and you've done nothing yeah. you're a f- fuck off for a start Listen, <laughs> don't fuck off stay on it but just do something we're not blind boy we're not asking about points and coffees right we're just, we literally just want reviews and stars and fucking not shares for Patreon. not asking for coffee exactly yeah do you ever try and set a Patreon up it's no fun whatsoever no. well yeah I was I had like on my little latex gear on and yeah. I tried that but it was just no one wanted it no one wanted it it's <laughs> No, I put it down to forty cent a month, and nobody wanted it. Still nothing. You were giving people fifty cents to join it, <laughs> and it still still have a lot of money in your pocket. Yeah. But yeah, please, uh, please do that. Please, please, please uh, rate, review, subscribe, blah blah blah. All the usual shit that everyone. Tell your podcast. friends for real though. If you do, listen to the podcast, you probably don't have many friends. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> do do the stuff that every other podcast tells you to do, and uh, we'll be back next week with another uh, juicy one. I think. Yeah. Right. Good night. <laughs>